So welcome. It's great to be having this guest on. Um, and do check us out every week, every Wednesday, we'll be releasing new episodes of women, just everyday women, just like me and you, um, hearing their stories, hearing their journey, and just having real, real conversations. So please check us out every week uh, from 8pm on Wednesday uh, for women working well, uh, real talk. Let's get straight into it and introduce our first guest. So welcome, welcome to Women Working Well, Real Talk with your host, Atim Henshaw. Hello, everybody. This is our 11th episode. It's so great to have 11 episodes down. I hope you guys have been enjoying enjoying all the previous episodes. We've had some really amazing and great women. And we have another amazing and great woman on the show. Uh, this is Yemi Aladero that joins us this morning. Hello, Yemi. How are you? I am very well, thank you, Atim. Lovely to be here. Thank you, thank you. So let's just get straight into it. We're asking all my women this. Uh, how many hats do you wear? Gosh, I, I wear a, a million hats, I would say. We but, can't count um, a million. Well, well, well. well. Okay, let, let me tell you a, about a few of the hats I wear. Um, so I am a sister, a daughter, an aunt, cousin, friend, lover not a fighter <laughs> and and a million more others professionally if if you want us to go into the professional aspects of yeah give us a few professional hats you're wearing cool so um i'm an architect and i am currently working as a major projects manager for a housing association in london i focus on developing new build housing schemes as well as redevelopment and estate modernization schemes and um, prior to that, I was working in traditional architectural practice um, as an associate as a medium-sized architectural practice where we focused on residential projects. Outside of practice, I wear even more hats, um, to name a few of them. Um, I'm all about collaboration. So I focus on contributing to uplifting racialized minority voices in architecture and also in the wider construction industry. And um, very importantly, um, central to my work is ensuring intersectionality in our approach to diversity. Uh, at the end of last year, I finished my three-year elected term as council member for the Royal Institute of British Architects. So REBA, a professional body of architects, primarily in the United Kingdom, but also internationally and founded for the advancement of architecture. Um, the RIBA is a membership organization and has um, well over 44,000 members. Um, I'm also a co-founder of an organization called Paradigm Network. And Paradigm is a network for architects who are passionate about increasing Black and Asian representation um, within the built environment. I'm also, I told you, lot, lots and lots Let's of Let's have hats. one more, one more, yeah. <laughs> um, I am a non-executive director of Women Pioneer Housing and also sit on its development committee. So WPH is the largest specialist housing association for women in London. And its vision is to make a positive difference to women's lives. Great. So I think I've counted roughly about 10 hats there. Um, so, <laughs> so just tell me, how are you navigating through all these 10 hats, Yemi? Like, how are you always on? Are there some seasons where some hats come off, some hats come on? I mean, how, how are you dealing with all of it? Oh, or managing all of it, rather, sorry. 
Yeah, it, that's a very, very interesting question. And I ask myself that all the time. But the, but the big thing I would say is that it's not that I have the time, but I make the time for those things. So those things are always constantly um, happening. And to be honest with you, those things drive me and feed me. So the, the, the thing that ties all of those things together is that um, my drive to make the world kind of a better place. Now that sounds a bit hoity-toity, um, <laughs> but I do that through architecture and cur currently through the provision of affordable housing. So um those are the kind of things that really really push me and keep me going so they're all happening at the same time um but it might be you know it's in cycles so it might be i have a board meeting every three months and then i'm doing this every two months and um, sometimes they all come at the same time and i think oh gosh what what am i doing but um we we manage to navigate them bit by bit one item at a time i think otherwise it does become quite overwhelming yeah i can imagine so you really started on this i mean i'm sure our listeners are dying to know a bit more about Yimmy, but you did allude that you are an architect so please just tell us a bit more about just um your work in in your architect industry in the sector uh, how long you've been an ar architect and some of the things that you love about being an architect Sure. So I think um, I think you, you touched on there's maybe my journey in, into architecture and what I'm doing. So no one in my immediate family or my uh, extended family is an architect. So I, I am the first. I was quite good at numerous subjects in, in school. So I loved art, history, geography, science. Um, but it wasn't really until my um, history teacher in year 10 um, when it came to choosing the subjects that we might like to do for the compulsory work experience and I randomly got Boots the chemist and she mentioned that perhaps I could do some work experience with her husband who was a developer. Um, I also have an uncle in Nigeria who's a civil engineer and I remember one summer um, spending some time on sites when I went over to Nigeria and also something that really sticks to me and it's, it's funny for me but I remember seeing a TV um, programme growing up and there was this lady that rocked up to site with amazing power suit commanding the attention of all those in the meeting and it turns out turns out that it she was the lead architect and I just remember thinking at a very young age oh gosh um yeah that's me I, I want to be like that but um jokes aside when when I realized that architecture would allow me to combine my love of art science humanities all together I was sold so I became a fully um, fledged architect after completing my professional exams, um, part three in architecture in 2013. And that brought to an end a total of eight years of architectural education. I mean, it's a very, very long course. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so as I say, um, at the moment, um, what I do day to day is um, managing um, quite large um, construction projects, um, mainly focused on housing, housing projects. Um, and um, I think the, the big thing that ties, as I say, housing ties a lot of those things together. And my big thing is that I am an advocate for housing, education and kind of income equality in the spheres of the built environment. And I really do desire, um, I have a very strong desire for people to have good quality housing with well-functioning communities that really alive, uh, allows them to thrive regardless of their income. So again, that's at the heart of what um, really drives me. Nice. Um, so you said that you've been, it's been eight years you've been 
in education um, of um, studying architecture. So in terms of your professional, how long have you been actually working um, post-education in, in the sector? So 2013, but with the way architecture works, you do your degree, you do a year out in practice, you do another two two years, another year out in practice, you do uh, your final exams and then you start on from there. So since being a fully fledged architect, 2013, but prior to that, there were also two years out in, in practice at each stage of um, education. Wow. So question that obviously that's coming to me is, have you always known that you wanted to delve into this route of architecture? No, no, absolutely not. So kind of like I alluded to um, earlier is that architecture is not some as a profession isn't really something that, that runs in my um, family. But I actually knew, because I loved art so much and I loved the other subjects, but I knew as um, the first born to Nigerian parents, I was not going to be allowed to become an artist. profession <laughs> At the end of what I um, was studying, it then made me really think about how I could possibly pull together all the things that I was really interested in. Because for me, um, doing what you love is always being the, the most important thing. So I yeah. kind of discussed, um, sorry, I kind of discovered architecture completely coincidentally through the likes of my history, my history teachers I alluded earlier, and through others in the profession doing similar things. So my uncle who was a um, structural, a civil engineer. So yeah. Nice. I did always know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you also mentioned that you sit on some boards of councils as well. And I'm wondering, um, and you alluded to it in, 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 as you started some of your responses about how, uh, use the word, racial intersection. I can't remember what the word that you use. I'm just wondering how important is that in you deciding which you know board or organisation that you do join? Yeah, so... Re, as I say, central to my work is um, kind of really uplifting the, the voices of black and ethnic minorities, but mm. also those from lower socioeconomic um, backgrounds. So it's that, so I mentioned intersectionality. So when we talk yeah. about diversity, it's not just focusing on being black. I myself, I'm a black woman. So there are intersections there already that I think is really important that in dealing with one, you also need to deal with the other for everyone to be lifted up. So when we talk about um, things being better for, for black people, actually, that's also going to be good for women. That's also going to be yeah. good for old people. If we bring everyone together, actually, success success becomes, yeah, life just becomes better for, for everyone. Great. So looking further, Phil, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, uh, what would you have liked to have achieved by then? What would success look like to you? It's really, really interesting and something that I have been um, thinking about, not necessarily um, massively, but it's something that always runs through the back of my mind because, especially because architecture is such a physical thing. And um, so, although there are a number of built projects that I'm proud to have played a part in designing and delivering, um, actually, it's my advocacy work that brings me the greatest joy and pride. And my benchmark for success actually is measured by the contributions I've made to improving the ways in which people live. So maybe not as tangible as saying, you know, I want to have in the in 10 years, look back and say, oh, look, I built that massive 
whatever it is or you know that I've got my name stamped to that it's more just knowing that I've improved the way in which um every the everyday joe blog lives nice thank you for sharing that um what would you say some of the lessons have been along the way and some of the challenges that you perhaps would like to share with us yeah good question um i think in terms of the lessons i've learned along the way um be a sponge be receptive um be open to learning never stop learning Mm. um and also very importantly um what the past no i think it's something that has been um embedded in me since childhood actually by my parents but it's um actually to be open to meeting and interacting with people that are very different um to myself and share different points of view um for me it's resulted in real growth as a human and also professionally and really broadened my perspective on all aspects of um life so those are kind of the lessons i would share in um in terms of the challenges um focusing perhaps uh, professionally. I'm in a profession that has been very monocultural. So the predominant voices are those that are white, male and middle class. There's most definitely what we call in architecture, the concrete ceiling. I mean, you, most people talk about the glass ceiling, but you can still break through through glass. Concrete, however, it is a lot more difficult. So, um, but however, you know, that has been changing over the years and we now see more female voices and participants in the field. Um, but it's been slow and particularly kind of non-moving and actually regressive when we talk about the issues relating to race and class. Um, So I think, however, the profession is coming to the realisation, especially massively over the course of the last year with the Black Lives Matter movement and the um, tragic murder of George Floyd. But if designing continues, um, if designing the city continues to remain monocultural, so that is in the hands of a very limited demographic of people, the results will also be monocultural and won't best serve the majority of the populace. So, um, yeah, we're starting to see change. Um, not lots of challenges, but um, we, yeah, we move, as the, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so on that, so what? Because I know that you said that doing a lot of the advocacy work and some of the stuff that really drives you and fulfills you. So in just in that, in knowing this is what the state of play is in this in this sector. Um, you know perhaps share some you know some nuggets with us of some of the things that you would like or hope to change um five years ten years down the line yeah so again at paradigm focusing on the work we do at paradigm we really focus on uh 360 review of everything we look at the full leaky pipeline as many people call it so we have issues as you've mentioned um and i'm speaking particularly about architecture here right at the beginning with education so as you say even getting interest people to know more about what architecture does at school school age so there's work to be done there in promoting architecture within schools And then you do find that even those students that do then study at university, then lots the attrition rate between part one, part two, part three drops heavily. So you have a number- Why is that, do you think? Well, there are lots of different reasons. One thing is that architecture is a very, very long course, and Mm. it's also very, very expensive. 
and um, it, it is the case that sometimes that those from um, racialized communities also fall into the same bracket of being from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. So the money and the funding necessarily isn't there to keep them going. Um, so again, that's not all black and Asian people, just not to conflate the two. It doesn't mean if you're black and Asian, you um, are from a low social economic background, but there are some, some, um, some um, they do, yeah, they do fall sometimes into the, the same um, brackets there. So, and there's also a case that within education, that the uh, curriculum has been very again monocultural so then people feel that there's they don't have much alignment with what has been studied so they do want there is now this move to broaden the um architectural um education to cover more diverse kind of sources and learning from different types of um cultures and societies so you you have that as an issue and then once you get into practice um practice there's the issue where people be able to find jobs and once you get into a job then there's an issue of, as I talk about earlier this concrete ceiling of suppression of being able to get into the leadership roles mm. so there's work to be done at each stage of the um, pipeline so so that's what we we at Paradigm are working towards and also different the some of the different organizations I work for target specific things within that pipeline as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So what would you say to the young person who is just starting their career in or leaving uni or determining what they want to do at uni, but have a, a bit of an interest in art, a bit of interest in, in architecture and I, you know, just want to find out how, you know, they would go get into this career, some of the stuff that you perhaps they should do um, in terms of just positioning themselves. What would be some of the things that you would like to uh, share with them or just give them some top tips around? Yeah, I think I think it's short and sweet, really. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Um, don't worry too. I, again, follow what you love, follow what you're passionate about. I think architecture, the construction industry is really big and allows you to really find your scope and what you love and your passion within that specialisms. I myself has kind of, kind of moved. Um, so I would say, um, um, yeah, just do what you love. And on a more practical note, perhaps reach out to those already doing what it is that you think you want to do and ask for advice. You would actually be surprised how many people on LinkedIn that you just send a random message to and ask for a coffee. Well, you know, with, with um, <laughs> a Corona. Virtual coffee. coffee. <laughs> virtual coffee. Um, and you would be surprised how many people are actually willing to, you know, give you a couple of minutes to, to give you an idea, you know, yeah. even if it's just a day in the life of, or say, actually, that's not quite me, but I could put you in touch with yeah. this person or that person. So I think that would be it. I totally agree with LinkedIn. I, I literally, I had to interview, I think, 15 people for my dissertation who were all based in Nigeria. It was through LinkedIn. I got all those conversations. So yeah, I definitely would agree with um, reaching out through LinkedIn. So thank you, really, really good advice, Samyemi. Um, what would you say, or what would you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, gosh, um, she came, she saw, she <laughs> contributed positively to the lives of many. 
Again, mm. just be short, short, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Say that again. Yeah. She came, she conquered. She came, she mm-hmm. saw, and she contributed positively to the lives of many. Oh, that's fantastic. And, <laughs> and I think I'll end with this last question. Um, it's just so great to hear your passion around just really helping others and being an advocate for those who whose voices may not be heard, particularly in your sector. So it's really, really good what, to hear what you're doing around that. I'm interested to hear a bit more about some of the other hats that you wear outside of work and how those other hats, particularly in your personal life, uh, continues to feed you, continue to drive you, continue to motivate you. Perhaps if you could speak to that a bit more. Yeah, um, I think my passion for kind of social service, or should I say public service, most definitely comes from my parents, who are both in the medical profession and have contributed for, gosh, many, 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 many years to the NHS and to um, the medical profession generally, and seeing their service and it not being just a job for them, but the way they hustled and went and continue to hustle till today, actually and go above and beyond for um, the people that that they're helping. It's just something that continually drives me. So I would say it's something that has been inherent in the way that I've been um, brought up and my siblings have been brought up. So um, yeah, so I hope that that answers um, that that question. Um, Just really fulfilled because I'm surrounded by so much love from my friends from my family and those things also make me want to share the love Uh, and speak to that a bit more how important is having the right environment having the right community around you just in your journey in the many hats that you do wear oh gosh that is so 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 crucial and i realized just how privileged i am so even if we just take it back to um while studying architecture, I finished my part one of architecture, the degree when um, the recession hit and having parents that were so supportive that didn't then, and through that, the first year's work experience that we were meant to have, I sent out hundreds of CVs and got maybe one response back. And there was no, I didn't manage to get that um, year out in an architectural practice. But I was in any case, um, I had a part-time job anyway, so I, I was working there. But to have the A, the financial support of my parents that, that year, but even bigger than that, the emotional support, which they did really push me to continue with architecture. If not for having that support there, I would probably have thought, well, is it worth it? If I'm not gonna find a, a job going forward, is architecture really the way for me to, to continue? And that would have been a, a real shame looking back at it now. So, um, yeah, really, really privileged to have the support of, of my family and, um, yeah, really central to, to everything I do today. Great. Well, thank you, Gemi. We've come to the end of our time. Goodness, this is whizzed by so quickly. But thank you so much for joining the show. It's been really great just to hear, just to hear your journey, to hear your passion. I think it's it's resonated quite strong on today's show. So thank you so much for coming and sharing with us all. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to listen to all the other fantastic <laughs> women you've got um, lined up. 
Great. Thank you again, MME. Take care. And for those who would like to get in touch with us, please do reach out to us. We're currently on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram handle is at www.realtalk and our Facebook handle is Women Working Well. Uh, so do search us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Do comment, like, share, share again to your networks. Um, we do want to hear from you. So until next time, this is your host, Atten Henshaw, and we're signing out from Women Working Well. Have a great rest of the week. Take care.